I want to caution you to fight clean at all times. Protect yourself at all times. Any punch that lands below the box is a foul, okay? All right? I want you to break all things clean. If you want to touch gloves, let's touch up right now, okay? And then come out of your corners fighting at the bell. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble! Break it up clean. Let's break it up. some stitches. Oh. oh man, it's not often you get to start your day off at church with that, is it? Good morning guys, welcome to K2. My name is Sally Townsend and I have the privilege of getting to serve on the spiritual advisory board here and I also lead worship. Um, thanks for coming and joining us today. So as you might have figured out, we're gonna talk about fighting today. And I don't know, what would you say, how long did that take? Maybe 90 seconds, two minutes? Well, this week I actually had a situation where in less than two minutes, I really wanted to get out of my car and punch somebody. Let me explain, I'm not proud, but I'm just gonna shoot straight with you. So I'm a mother of three young kiddos, which means I spend a lot of time in the school pickup line. <laughs> those who made that, those who are laughing, you know what I'm talking about. So in the school pickup line, it's kind of crazy, and you've got all these cars lining up in two different directions of traffic, converging all just to enter into the school parking lot and pick up your kid. So I've been sitting there for 10 minutes in the line, lots of cars in front of me, lots of cars behind me, lots of cars you know, heading the opposite direction. So the car in front of me goes ahead and pulls into the school. I do the polite thing, which is what? I let the other person in the oncoming traffic go. You take turns, every other car, right? Well, so as I'm being kind and motioning for the car in the oncoming traffic to go ahead and go into the school, I start to pull in right behind them when the person behind them cuts me off and sneaks in in front of me. Thank you. Instant anger. And if that wasn't enough, so, so they snuck in, so I, I gave a beep, not a long honk, but I just gave the little beep just to let them know, like, hey, that was not nice. 
And they didn't give me the wave of, oh, I'm sorry, or anything, except then they slammed on the brakes. And even though there was ample room in front of them to continue forward, they proceeded to move forward in three to four foot increments for the next minute, slamming on their brakes every time. I was getting hot, guys. I was getting real hot. And so right when I thought this was about to be over and I could be done with this obnoxious person in front of me, we're about to get to the part at the school where the kid can actually walk into my car. But before we get there, we have to drive through the crosswalk. And everybody knows you drive through the crosswalk because that's where the kids safely pass, correct? So I'm actually finally behind this person in front of me because I'm just like, well, we're all going to pull forward and keep the lane of traffic moving. Oh, no, no. <laughs> She stops in the crosswalk. And she puts her car in park, turns it off, gets out, closes the door, and leaves. And I'm stuck behind her because I thought surely she wouldn't be that bad and stop in the crosswalk, but she did. <sighs> all right, guys, I know that in the grand scheme of things, my little crosswalk Conflict this week is not a big deal. But can I tell you how quickly I went from calm to crazed? Guys, it is, it is unsettling how quickly I went from just breezy to I almost wanted to get out of my car and punch that woman. I, I, I was fantasizing about, well, what if I just tapped her car? What would that look like? Whose damage would be worse? It was not good. And so today we're talking about conflict, and I'm going to be honest, it, it is a little intimidating to even attempt to address this topic because there are so many facets of conflict in our lives, and I'm not going to be able to address all of those. But it's also intimidating to attempt to talk about conflict because it is a really tender subject. And there are so many wounds and sensitivities that I bet we each have because of conflicts that we have had previously or maybe that we're even in right now. But the truth of the matter is we have a God who wants to meet us in our conflict. No matter what season of life we're in, no matter what stage we are in our faith journey, he, he wants to come alongside us. Praise God for that. So guys, even before we dig into the message right now, would you pray with me so that we can just thank God that he is a God who meets us where we're at and wherever we're at, even in this moment. Father God, we come before you today and we are so grateful that you are a God who is there whenever two or more are gathered in your name. So God, we know your presence is here. Thank you for that. And God, we also know that the enemy shakes at the sound of your name. So Father God, we just, we thank you that you're here. We invite your presence to move into this room even right now. And would you put a hedge of protection around our heads and hearts so that we only hear what you want us to hear, God. We only hear your truths in this coming time together, God. And any lies, any hindrances that the enemy might try to throw our way that you would put a stop to it because you are the highest king. God, we love you. We thank you for this time. Please move in all of us and draw us closer to you. It's in your sweet and holy name we pray. Amen. Okay, guys, so we are going to talk about how to fight fair. But before we, before we talk about how to fight fair, I think it's critical to understand why it's important. 
Because you see, if the conflict in our earthly lives is not resolved, and if we are not extending forgiveness to the people in our lives, not only will the relationships with the people in our lives be hindered, but our relationship with God will be hindered as well. I'm gonna give you a few verses that we're gonna quickly touch on, but I would encourage you to even go home and dig into these further. Mark 11:25 through 26, it says, when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that the Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Who in here sins? Get those hands up. Yes, you can all raise your hand. Who in here would like to be forgiven for their sins? We want that, don't we? Even in Luke 6, 31, it says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Guys, if we want forgiveness, not only from God, but from other people, we need to extend that as well. Jesus also talked about in Matthew the importance of addressing unresolved conflict. In Matthew 5, 20 through, 22 through 24, it says, I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. In a modern day translation for here and now, guys, if we're sitting at church today and we are ready to worship, ready to learn and receive from God, but we actually have conflict with a brother or sister, he's actually saying, you know what, it's really more important for you to go resolve that so that you can come back into my presence unhindered. Take care of that and then come and worship me and receive from me. So it is imperative that we understand that unforgiveness and unresolved conflict hinder our relationship with God. It even talks about in scripture, guys, that our prayers can be hindered by unresolved conflict. I don't know about you, but I don't wanna hear that. I don't want that to be true. But if you study scripture, it actually talks about this in several places. I'd encourage you to look at this later today. In 1 Peter 3, it's around 7 through 12. It talks about how husbands need to treat their wives well so that their prayers will not be hindered. And then it talks to believers saying that, that believers, we need to have unity with one another, that we need to not fling insults, and that we need to work and fight for peace. And it says those believers who do those things that God will hear their prayers. But it also says those believers who fail to do that, he will turn his face away from them. This is important to God's heart. And it is really important for us to understand that there are real consequences if we fail to forgive one another and reconcile. I'm gonna shoot straight with you guys. I couldn't even start working on this message until I addressed unresolved conflict I had with my husband. Newsflash, I'm not perfect. <laughs> I get in a lot of conflict. I'm human. But I was hindered. I couldn't even start this message until, until my husband and I worked some things out. 
And this entire message is going to be centered around chapter four, these, these few verses in Ephesians, and we're gonna break it down piece by piece, just like we have been throughout this entire relationship series. And, and as most of you know, Ephesians is, is a letter written from the Apostle Paul, and he's imprisoned, and he's writing it to the church. And when I say church, I don't mean a building. God is not confined to a building. He's also not confined to religion. Our God is a God of, a re- of relationships. And so Paul is writing to the believers, the body of believers who are re- in relationship with one another and who are re- in relationship with God. And he's basically giving us step-by-step instructions as to how we are to conduct ourselves when we're in conflict with one another. So Ephesians 4, 26 through 27 says, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil a foothold. So let me ask you a question. Think about a conflict that you are currently battling or or think about one of the biggest conflicts you've ever been in. How do you feel when you are in the heat of the moment? Now, I think that saying exists for a reason, the heat of the moment. Why? Because I don't know about you, but I get hot inside, like a fiery blaze. When I was in my minivan this week, I swear that hot coals replaced my eyeballs for about 90 seconds, and if that woman would have looked at me, she would have burned. (laughs) I even took my coat off in the car. It was like a snowstorm, and I was so hot instantaneously. We get into fiery rages, don't we? And, and when we feel that heat of the moment, it can be so hard to think clearly. You know, I think it's also hard sometimes to remember what we learn about when we come to church. I mean, I don't know about you, but oftentimes I'll come to, you know, to hear a message, and even if I loved the message, if somebody asks me later that, noon, later that afternoon what it was about, I might stare at you blankly. Am I the only one? No, okay, there's a few of you out there that are with me on this. Okay, well, today I'm going to give you a cheat sheet. And hopefully how we work through God's instructions today on how we're supposed to conduct ourselves in conflict and fight fair, hopefully how we go through this today will help you to remember, even in the heat of the moments, how we can apply God's word to our lives. So let me ask you this. When you were in elementary school, transport yourself back for a second, what were you taught to do if you found yourself on fire? You got it, stop, drop, and roll. So I've always found this funny because it seems to be ingrained in us at a young age, if you spontaneously find yourself caught on fire, then you need to stop, drop, and roll. That's good advice, it's just probably not gonna need to use it that often, we hope. However, how many times do we find ourselves caught emotionally on fire? Probably a lot more. So today, we are going to work through this scripture, remembering that when we are in the heat of the moment, we need to stop, drop, and roll. Stop. In in chapter 4, verse 26, it says, Be angry and do not sin. And he, he isn't saying don't get angry here. He doesn't say don't get angry. He says be angry, just don't sin. Because it is actually our duty as believers to get angry. Sometimes it's required. 
We can be angry without sinning. It's possible. Anger at injustice, at evil, at unrighteousness, that's not sinful. God gets angry at those things. How could he be a good and just God and be indifferent to terrible things? He, if he just sat there and said, oh, I have no, I have no feeling on that, just go, yeah. No, he gets angry at those things. Jesus got angry at those things. In, in Mark 3, we see that Jesus is at the synagogue and he's at the synagogue on the Sabbath and he is about to heal a crippled man. But the Pharisees are off and they're watching and they are, they are waiting, hoping that Jesus is gonna violate something so that they can charge him with anything because they do not like him and they want to get rid of him. Jesus knows this. And in anger, he turns to the Pharisees and he asks them two questions. Is it better to do good or evil? Is it better to save a life or kill? And Jesus is he is releasing his anger at the Pharisees' stubbornness, at their hardened hearts, and, and how they have twisted God's rules into something that don't even reflect God's heart or character. The modern-day theologian Tim Keller says that anger is energy aroused in defense of something good and released against something evil. So, Good, healthy anger is the capacity to be called to action, to take a stand against evil and injustice. How do you feel when you hear about a child being abused? Kidnapped. Murdered. How do you feel when you see images of people with distended bellies who are malnourished and starving to death? How do you feel when you see images and hear about families being ripped apart by war? Let's hit it a little closer to home, maybe. How do you feel when you hear about and see families being ripped apart by an affair? Guys, it is good sometimes to get angry, and it's necessary. We are supposed to be God's hands and feet. We are supposed to be a voice for the voiceless. However... If we open this door of anger and we're not careful, if we are attempting to operate in this emotion without God leading the way, it can be very, very destructive. Anger gets sinful when it tries to defeat people, not problems. Write this down. Anger gets sinful when it tries to defeat people, not problems. And how do we separate that? When anger is used to defend yourself, your pride, your reputation, your ego, it is likely evil. When your anger is directed at a person instead of their sinful actions, that is likely evil. So in the heat of the moment, guys, we have to stop and we have to ask ourselves two questions. What am I defending? And am I attacking the person or the problem? We have to stop and ask ourselves, what am I defending? And am I attacking the person or the problem? 
This verse in Ephesians goes on to say, do not let the sun go down on your anger. And we know that this is talking about timing. The anger ideally shouldn't last longer than a day. But we need to stop dragging our conflicts out. You know, God gives us so many incredible gifts of his peace, of fresh start every day. His mercies are new every morning. But if we harbor anger and let the conflicts drag on and on, we don't have that anymore. We're stacking another cement block on a wall that is coming between God and us. 1 John 4.20 says, Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. So if Jesus tells us that the first commandment is love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and the second is love thy neighbor as yourself, if we as Christ followers are saying, oh God, we love you, we love you, but we hate this person, that doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. We have to stop dragging this out. God wants us to resolve these conflicts as soon as possible so that our hearts and minds can be free to hear from and follow him and to receive from him. So how do we, how do we stop and take a deep breath to avoid the sinful anger? And, and how do we stop dragging these conflicts on and on and on? Well, in the heat of the moment, we might also need to stop and call a timeout. Literally, when you are in the heat of the moment with somebody, anybody, you might need to just say, you know, hold, hold on just one second. Could I, could I just have a minute? Could I have a few hours? Could we revisit this after dinner? Guys, it's not enough to stop though and call for the timeout. When we call that timeout, we have to invite Jesus to intervene. And I genuinely mean, you visualize Jesus between you and the person you're in conflict with and you just say, Jesus, step in the middle. Step in the middle, please. You can ask him, you can just visualize him there, invite him to filter your words. Ask him to align your hearts. And guys, ask him to interpret what you are hearing from the other person and ask him to interpret what you are saying to the other person. He can handle it. He can absolutely handle it. You and me, we might have a good few rounds, but it's not sustainable because we're human. Because we're human. Ephesians 6, 11 through 16, I know most of you are already very familiar with this, but it is too good not to talk about today. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggles are not against flesh and blood. Did you know that your struggle is not just against the person standing in front of you? It's not. There's so much more at work here. But it is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, not if, not if you get into conflict, my friends, when we get into conflict, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Guys, there are a lot of beautiful truths about who God is and who he says that we are. What our identity is in Christ that he makes no mistakes, that we are dearly beloved, that we get to spend eternity with him, 
that he is for us, not against us. With the breastplate of righteousness, guys, righteousness that, that, we, that we could put on being morally right, that we could put on being decent, that, 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 we could, that we could speak and act with integrity in conflict and with our feet, fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Guys, that we could go into conflict and just know and trust that God is the Prince of Peace and that he can, he can bring peace even in this. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Do you guys feel, do you remember the flaming arrows of accusation that have been flung your way? You take up the shield of Jesus. You invite him between you and that person. You are not meant to take those blows. He doesn't want you to take those blows. He died for you. He's gonna fight for you right now. Take the shield of faith. So if we have stopped, if we have hit that pause button so that we're not operating out of anger, if we're putting a stop to the time that we're willing to just drag this conflict on and on, and if we've stopped to invite Jesus to intervene, now we're ready to drop. And that means to drop our right to win. Chapter four, verse 27 says, do not give the devil a foothold. When we are in a fight, what is one of the most important things to you? To win, right? You wanna win. You wanna be right. We feel justified in our actions. We feel unjustly accused, misunderstood. That's exactly how the devil wants us to feel. In fact, he wants us to only think about how we feel. So to resist the devil and deny him a foothold, we actually have to stop only thinking about ourselves and drop our right to win. He thrives on our selfishness. It's actually his job, his greatest desire to cause division. And when we harbor anger and only care about winning the argument, we're doing his work for him. That's what he wants. So we cannot be ignorant of Satan's ways. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes, even in the moment of conflict, go ahead. You can just think to yourself, you can say it out loud. I know what you're trying to do, and you are not welcome here. You are not welcome here, not this time. 1 Peter 5.8 says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I know that there are a lot of people in this room right now who probably feel chewed up and spit out. And I'm sorry. I'm really sorry that you've been made to feel that way. God is sorry that you have been made to feel that way, but that is not his intention for your heart, for your mind. That is not his plan or desire for your life, and he wants to help you and speak truth into that. And we have to remember who our real enemy is in these conflicts because our most serious conflicts are likely with somebody that we love deeply. Likely the person that is standing in front of us that we are in conflict with is not our real enemy. See, God's side is unity and the devil's side is division. Who are we fighting against? And what side do you want to be on? 
The devil uses our selfishness and desire to win and he further twists it to use it against us. It's like he blows on these sinful embers of our heart and he wants to get us blazing hot against the other person. Sometimes the devil whispers lies. Sometimes he shouts lies and he wants us to believe them. James 1.14 says, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own sinful desire and enticed. Do not be enticed to believe those lies. Do not be enticed to fight back in a sinful way because Satan ultimately wants division and all he wants to do is he wants to fracture your relationship with that person. He wants to fracture our relationships with one another and he wants to fracture our relationship with God. That's what he wants. But how do we actually drop our right to win in the heat of the moment and remove the devil's opportunity? Just as selfishness is the fuel for division, humility is the kryptonite to the devil's schemes. Humility, guys. And it's, so what does humility look like in the face of conflict? It can look like a lot of things. But one way is realizing and acknowledging that our perspective might not be the only one valid here. And that our interpretation of the situation going on might not be completely accurate. My family and I have had the pleasure of traveling and living internationally for several months at a time um, over the last two years. And each time before we get on the plane and travel abroad, my husband applies for this international driver's permit through AAA, I think. And it's just this piece of paper with his picture on it and somebody signs it. And that's all it is, it's just, it's just a piece of paper. He doesn't have to take any test about international driving laws, he doesn't have to learn anything. It's just a piece of paper that for some reason, the rental car companies really like it when you show up and have it. So this summer, as my husband's going to the rental car company and gets the car, flashes his international driver's permit, the, our kids and, and us, we, we pile into the car and we are about to drive out of Paris in very, very heavy traffic to go to our next destination. And as we get in the car, my husband is driving and I'm supposed to be the navigator. And we realize very quickly that we are missing some information. Because as we are driving at high speeds, I am telling him, okay, in about 100 feet, we're gonna need to go ahead and take this exit to get onto this road. And as we are approaching that exit ramp, look at the sign that we see. I don't know what that means to you, but anytime I see a big red X, that means bad, 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 bad. So we see this and we are speeding along and I say, no, 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 no. Don't go there, don't go there, go this way. And so he swerves back into this traffic and it was not good. It was not good. Now, we keep seeing the sign. It, we were in a roundabout going around and around. Once again, I'm like, okay, in a few hundred feet, we're supposed to take the exit to the right and then no, 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 there's that red X again. So guys, guess what that sign actually means? You are welcome to go down this road. Please just don't stop while you're on the ramp. No joke. This is the French sign for you're welcome to go down this way. I didn't know that. Incidentally, we also saw this sign while we were driving. 
And I see that and I think, well, that looks welcoming. Like, come on down, it's clear. It looks to me kind of like there's a metro station nearby. You know, like in England, like where they show like the pictures of, for the underground tube. So I'm like, oh, there must be an underground metro somewhere. We went down lots of streets with this. Guess what it means? No vehicles allowed. <laughs> yeah. So ultimately, we survive navigating the roads of Europe and Southern Africa, but the journey was so much more stressful and dangerous and took way more time than it needed to, just because we thought we already knew what we needed to know. And if we would have just realized that there was a different perspective that we needed to pay attention to, we would have avoided some really frustrating and dangerous situations. The same is true in conflict. If we have humility and we're, we're willing to learn, if we're willing to ask questions, instead of just charging ahead and believing that our way is the only way and, and we must be right, we could get in a lot of relational damage with one another. Guys, we need to drop our right to win by acknowledging that there can be more than one viewpoint, more than one way to communicate and interpret situations. And when we're in the midst of conflict, guys, in addition to dropping the right to win, we might actually need to drop to our knees in humility before God. When we call that time out, we actually can physically get to our knees somewhere with God and in humility ask Him just ask him what he wants us to know about a situation. What do you want to know about what I've heard? What do you want me to know about what they're saying? It says in James 4, 7, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. When we hit our knees in humility before God, Satan has no power. He will flee when we are at in front of a mighty, holy king. When we think about who we are and what we've done and just the goodness and grace that God has extended us despite that, how can we continue on a path of selfishness or pride? I do this thing and I call it a mirror exercise. And I've done this a lot because I've had a lot of conflict. But over the years, when I'm in conflict and um, I'm alone, I hit my knees and I, I close my eyes and I picture Jesus to the right of me and then I picture a, a, a big mirror, gold trim in front of me. And I ask Jesus, would you reveal to me what I can own? Would you reveal to me what I am believing that is not true about me, about you, about the person I'm in conflict with? God, would you reveal to me what I, what I have done to hurt this person? Would you reveal to me my sin? And guys, it is ugly a lot of times. There's a lot of tears. I'm a feeler. But I will take notes in my journal about all of this. And it's a process. Sometimes it takes a few minutes. Sometimes it takes a few days. But do you know what ultimately it allows me to do? I can come back to the person I've been in conflict with. And in sincerity, I can offer an apology with no buts. No buts. Because all we can do is own what we can own. And guys, we cannot control the other person. You may never get the apology that you want or maybe deserve from the other person, but we can't control that. 
but we can trust God to intervene in a very tender, intimate way and trust that he will meet us where we're at, that he will lead us to a better place and that, that he will deal with the other person, whether on this side of heaven or the next. That, that's not up to us. That's up to him. So guys, if we have stopped and we have dropped our right to win and we have dropped to our knees in humility before God, hopefully now we are ready to roll. And that means roll with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, 30 through 32 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. So we see there in chapter four, verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Guys, we can grieve the Holy Spirit by offending him, by ignoring his holiness. And the Holy Spirit actually grieves for us. We cause him sadness and sorrow by our sinful actions. Did you know that scripture calls the Holy Spirit a counselor, an advocate, a spirit of truth, an intercessor? Scriptures also say that the Holy Spirit is one who pleads another's cause. Who doesn't want that? Especially in conflict. Guys, we need that. It is available to us. The Holy Spirit is available to us. And we need to not deny him. We need to not grieve the Holy Spirit. He is there to help take it. Bitterness, malice, anger, clamor, put it away from you. We all know what that means. Basically, we just need to stop doing and saying hurtful things. To purge the actions and words that are sinful, that are giving the devil a foothold. And clamor, it's like making a big deal out of nothing. It's like making a racket, just an unnecessary racket. Did you know that Aristotle defined bitterness as the resentful spirit that refuses reconciliation? The resentful spirit that refuses reconciliation. So guys, if you are harboring bitterness in your heart against anybody, you're actually refusing to reconcile and you're just putting another layer of cement brick between you and God. Be kind, compassionate, forgiving. And guys, this is basically just bringing to others what we have so incredibly received from God, even though we are not worthy. He is so compassionate to us. He forgives our sins knowing that we'll sin again and sometimes knowing that we're gonna sin again in the exact same area. He bears with us for a long time even though we sorely provoke him. And as Christ followers, if we have received this type of kindness from God, we need to extend it to others. So guys, if we are rolling with the Holy Spirit, it means that we need to listen to him and follow his promptings. If you have already stopped to take a deep breath, to try to avoid sinful anger, you've already asked yourselves those two important questions. If you've already invited Jesus into the conflict and you said, I'm gonna stop dragging this thing on. If you've already dropped your right to win and maybe dropped to your knees in humility before the God, before God, guess what's probably gonna happen? You're likely going to hear something from the Holy Spirit that your winning nature doesn't wanna hear. That's probably what's gonna happen. But when you do, roll with it. I'll never forget, I was pregnant with our third child and my husband and I had an inkling this was probably the last kiddo we were gonna have. And I am a planner 
I do not like surprises. <laughs> and so with the first two kids, we found out the gender well before the actual birth, and I loved that. In my mind, why wouldn't you do that? You get to narrow down the number of names that you're considering, and you get to decorate the nursery appropriately, and it's going to be a surprise no matter when you find out, so let's find out early and then plan. But my husband had a different idea for the third, and he really wanted to do it a new way. He wanted to wait until the day our child was born to find out the gender, and he genuinely thought that I might enjoy it that way. <laughs> I knew better. But we were in conflict over this for weeks, maybe months. And we weren't budging. And I'll never forget, we were out to dinner in downtown Salt Lake, and on our date night, this topic came up again, surprise, surprise. And it was just a stalemate. We weren't budging. We stopped talking, silence. And in that silence, I was just kind of venting to God, telling him, like, what? I should absolutely get to do it my way because I'm the one carrying the child. I'm the one that's going to birth this baby and it's going to hurt. And I should be able to do it my way. Why can't my husband understand that? Do you know what I heard from the Holy Spirit? He said, this is how you love your husband. Now, my husband is an incredible man who loves me well. But even hearing from the Holy Spirit, this is how you love your husband, that wasn't good enough for me. It wasn't. I fought back. I was like, whoa, 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 wait, wait a second. I'm, but, but he's not the one birthing the baby. Like, don't say, I, I love him. He knows I love him. I don't need to do this. And then guess what the Holy Spirit told me? This is how you love God. By loving your husband, you are loving God. Now guys, I love my husband so much, but I love God more. And when I heard the Holy Spirit tell me that and I reflected on what God has done for me, how he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to cover my sins, I couldn't hang on to my side any longer. And so I took a deep breath. It took me a little bit. But ultimately at that dinner, I looked at my husband and I said, okay, let's do it your way. Now he felt really loved by that, for sure. But that's not the bigger story here. The bigger story is that my husband and I were in conflict about something at a very sweet, what should be a sweet season of our lives. But God's gift to us in that was unity. So the legacy of that situation, of the moment of welcoming our baby girl into the world, there was no division, only unity, and that was a gift from God. We have to roll with it, guys. Roll with whatever the Holy Spirit is asking you to do. Pay attention to those nudges, step into them, and trust God along the way. Another interpretation of roll with it could just be to, lack, to relax a little bit. Take a deep breath, have a greater perspective, and view these individual battles for what they actually are. These are just small battles in a war of our hearts and for eternity and the greater picture. So guys, we can only own our own stuff. We cannot force certain behaviors on other people, but we are responsible for our own actions. And there will be additional consequences if we allow our relationship with God to continue to be hindered. That's why we need to fight fair. So when we are in the heat of the moment in conflict with one another, 
we need to remember to, and say it with me, stop, drop, roll. Say it again and louder. Stop, drop, and roll. Guys, you might be sitting here thinking right now, I can't do this. You're right. <laughs> you can't. I can't. Because we're human. Like I said, we, we might go through a few rounds well and come out dignified, but it's not going to last. We can't, keep, we can't keep this up. We need God. And so as Christ followers, we need to trust that he wants to and can infuse us supernaturally with the fruits of his spirit Jesus wants to come alongside us and fight in the battle, and the Holy Spirit wants to be our counselor, our advocate, our interpreter. He wants to plead our cause. Let's let him. And if you guys are sitting here today and you do not yet know Jesus in an intimate, relational way, I I want you to hear that it's not too late. It never is. There is no timeline that you need to wait for. There is no title that you need to obtain. There are no hoops that you need to jump through. Jesus has been and will be at the door of your heart waiting, waiting. He already calls you a son or daughter. doesn't matter what you call him. He calls you a son and daughter. But he is a gentleman who will not force his way into your life. He won't. You have to invite him. And do you know that really... In all simplicity, all Christianity is, is a group of people saying, we can't do life on our own anymore and we don't want to. That we have tried and we have failed and we have sinned and we will keep sinning, but but that Jesus who you sent to die on a cross to cover sins, can I get in on that? Me too. Can Jesus' sacrifice cover all the stuff that I do? Thank you. Thank you. So even in this moment, you could invite Jesus into your heart and no matter where that you are at on your spiritual journey, guys, we have good news. And that is the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. In 1 John 1, 8, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anybody does, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the world. Hope is not lost. Battles can be won, but maybe not in the way that you thought. Guys, we have an opportunity even in this moment to respond to a God who loves us so deeply that he would send his son to die. We have a God who wants to meet us in every situation and every conflict in our lives. And we have been building walls up between us and him. We can knock them down even now. Even now. It tells us in Isaiah 61 that we can put on the garment of praise in exchange for a spirit of heaviness. If you are feeling heaviness today, you don't need to feel it any longer. We get to worship now collectively as one body. And you may need to sit here and soak in the truths of who God says you actually are. You may need to stand and declare your praises to him and thank him for how he is with you. You may need to hit your knees in humility 
and ask him to just reveal things to you that you have been too hard-hearted to hear. There is no wrong way, but we have this opportunity now. So would you join with us and engage with an almighty God who loves you right where you're at?